and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a special minisode of TV My Husband Hates. I am here with Reagan Kempton, as ever. How you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, hopefully this second recording of the same episode works a little bit better. Um, <laughs> I totally flummoxed this recording. We were supposed to have it out before the weekend, but I forgot to hit record, and we did an entire episode. I, w- I wasn't even going to bring it up. <laughs> We might as well be honest. <laughs> but seeing as you did, no, I'm joking. Yeah. It's fine. This stuff happens. It's not like I haven't done stupid <laughs> stuff. Like delete the whole Pinterest account. Yeah. It, things happen. We're all good. But let's not focus on the fucking fuck ups that we do. No. Um, let's focus on the special content for this week's Minnesota, which we kind of, it's, it's a little bit off brand for us because yes. actually we're going to be discussing The Last Dance, which is the documentary about Michael Jordan. And, uh, Actually, our husbands really fucking loved it. Yes, they absolutely did. And actually, it was kind of my husband's idea that we do it because he was like, this is coming up. I think it'll be really great. And it's a 30 for 30, so we would watch it anyways. But then I called you and was like, this is amazing. Hop on board. And I did because I do everything I'm told when I'm told. No questions (laughs) asked. That's how this this works, in case you didn't know. She tells (laughs) me what to do, and I do it. Um, But that aside, I have really, really enjoyed this documentary. And uh, I've been telling people about it and they're like, I'm just not into it. And I was like, I don't care if you've never watched a game of basketball. You don't need to know. I don't care even if you've never heard of Michael Jordan, although that would be weird. Um, But regardless of whether you think you like sports or not, this is going to be a documentary you enjoy. Absolutely. It's it's centered around the sports, but it's about so much more than that, about, you know, personalities and group dynamics and fame and media. And it's got it well, all, man. It has. And interestingly, because we fucked up the first recording, it's given me time to just do a little bit more reading. And I Ooh. read today that it averaged 5.65 million viewers because it came out week by week. They did two episodes yeah. every week, which actually unseated Tiger King as the world's most in-demand documentary. Wow, that's pretty Who incredible. Knew? Yeah, I know, right? Because it's actually not on Netflix here in the U.S. yet. I'm sure it will be eventually, but they're still running it on ESPN. So ESPN oh. kind of has the rights here because I think they did it in conjunction with Netflix. So yeah, so here it's not on Netflix yet. Well, I also read they did it to run to air alongside the NBA Finals or something. I don't know. I think that was probably. The the original thought but that, I feel, yeah 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 and but everything's been canceled blown out the water yeah yeah um so first of all i think it's worth talking about the di- the, the way it's put together and the director's yes. name which i still don't know despite it's all the jason hayer 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 um, and for me i think this was one of the most amazing things about the documentary right it was so beautifully put together yeah it really was i loved the way while the focus was the 98 bulls championships he did a lot of like flashbacks of kind of the NBA as a whole, but from like the late seventies to the nineties, you got to see most of Michael's early career, which I think really put it in context. Like you kind of knew the whole person before going into this, even if you had never paid attention before. Yeah. There were loads of 
gorgeous like sidebars that were really rich with kind of information but never felt like it was extraneous or uh, you never felt bored because it is a 10-part documentary it's big yeah I mean it it aired over five weeks here which yeah you asked my husband was probably the best five weeks of quarantine thus far um so <laughs> yeah I do do, <laughs> you know, I long, do remember man. Jimmy once saying to me like there was one Monday because it, it it kind of got released on Netflix on Mondays here and there was one Monday where I was just exhausted. It was probably a bit hungover. And I just remember about 11 o'clock in the morning saying to Jimmy, I am so tired. I think I'm going to have to go to bed. I've never seen it. He turned around. He's like, well, you had better sort yourself out because it's the episodes <laughs> of Last Dance and we are watching it. I'm not fucking waiting another night. I, was I don't like, think I've, I don't think right, I've ever I'll... seen Jimmy like get all fired up about TV like that before. I'm telling you, like I needed a disco nap. I needed to perk myself up. <laughs> it, it was coffee. There was a lot be... I had to pull myself together. Yeah. I mean, you could have gone totally back to the 90s, popped a few no-dose and like been on your way. <laughs> made it a really authentic 90s yes, experience. Yes, make an authentic experience. But Jason I Hayer... I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Jason Hayer is a brilliant director. He's done quite a few 30 for 30s one about Andre the Giant, one about the Pistons. So this is not like a new space for him, but I don't think anybody else could have done a better job on this documentary. No. It was just incredible. Yeah, I agree. And I think... um what I loved about it as well was the way that we saw kind of this fresh-faced Michael Jordan right at the beginning, early, early doors, kind of picked out of a crowd. Yeah. Um, and then the beginning of his kind of professional career, sort of through the early 80s, through the sort of late 80s and then the late 90s. And what became apparently clear is that it, it didn't really matter at what period we were watching Michael... Jo- Mike, I nearly said Michael Johnson. That's <laughs> Wrong guy. It's not, who, it's not who we're talking about. <laughs> not any guy. <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't even know who that is. Who's that? Um, it doesn't matter which Michael Jordan we were watching. This kind of monomaniacal... Ad- desire to win was consistent all the way through and his and his performance never dipped no I mean he was such a badass so singularly focused to the point of kind of being an asshole about it right like everybody else really had to play to his level which I think in turn made everybody better like you know there's always these different thoughts about how to be a good manager whether you're like their friend or you're like a strong authoritarian figure and I feel like in sports we see very strong authoritative figures be the best leaders in that kind of environment like Bill Belichick of the New York Patriots he's like a world-renowned asshole but they win all the time like I think you kind of need somebody driving the team like that but whether it be the coach or a player or whatever and I think what we see working really really well is kind of Michael Jordan's necessary asshole tendencies um, tied in with Phil Jackson's kind of hippie, you know, <laughs> chilled out, let's all sit in a circle and do something. Right. I mean, he, he had his teams doing yoga before yoga was even a thing. Like, he really did bring this hippie chill vibe. And then I think it was just this perfect storm of that and then Scotty Pippen as well, and obviously later Dennis Rod- Rodman. Um, but it was just, it's one of those magical moments in sporting history that I'm so pleased that we've now been able to see the sort of 500 hours of footage that otherwise we may never have seen. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unprecedented that a team allows that sort of access. And, you know, obviously it's because they're worried about like their image and things of that nature. So, you know, it's been a while since this footage has kind of 
been out there, but I'm really glad it was because I think you're right. I think we see just how well all these different personality types fit within this team, which made them a good team. Like you had to have Michael Jordan. You had to have Scottie Pippen. You had to have Dennis Rodman. You had to have all these different, you had to have Steve Kerr. You had to have all these different components of this this specific team to really win. Like they all work together. And maybe you even needed a Jerry Krause. You know, maybe all of that is what, (laughs) well, maybe they're kind of, he became that guy. I mean, Jerry Krause, this guy is like small man syndrome on steroids, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he wished he was on steroids. (laughs) It's not just like small man syndrome because like he'd be a dick if he had to hang around with normal sized people. But he's a small man that now has to hang around with these ungodly tall athletic guys yeah who are super looking, talented more talented yeah strong infallible godlike creatures i mean no wonder the guys are prick oh he's such a prick like i mean i don't want to give him a way out or an excuse but there is, yeah. there's got to be a link right and i mean i'm sure he you know to give him maybe a little credit i'm sure you have to be a dick to be a general manager of a team like i'm sure that job is not easy but i don't think he had to be a dick in the way he was to some of the players i don't think he needed you know like before this last season to kind of really say it was going to be the last season and he wasn't going to let the coach come back and he wasn't going to pay this like they won in spite of that definitely not because of it I don't know or maybe it gave them a common like a common villain like they all wanted to beat him who knows and one of the things that we see as a consistent theme throughout the documentary is Michael Jordan's need to have something to win for. Like he needs to make a villain. He needs to find somebody to go, I am going to, I'm not just going to win. I am going to beat you so, with such a humiliating score (laughs) that I walk away feeling like you are never going to want to step on a basketball court again. And if I can't find one, I'm going to totally make it up because a lot (laughs) of his shit was like, no, I never did that. Like he completely made that up. And, and I think he knew that, but I think he also knew what would drive him. So I think he just like got a thought in his head and was like, fuck them. I'm going to humiliate them. And like, went full force at it. Well, the thing is, the people who criticize Michael Johnson after this documentary, I Jordan. feel a bit like that. Michael <laughs> Jordan. Why am I doing this? I don't know. I don't know. It's nine o'clock at night, my time. I've had a there bath. There you go. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't even had a drink tonight. But the people that criticize Michael Jordan for the way he's kind of, for the things that are revealed in this documentary, it's like they want to have their cake and eat it because they want this guy, they wanted this guy to be an infallible, godlike basketball player. But they also want him to be this truly nice, really decent, kind guy. And I just don't believe that the two are that compatible. And I said to Jimmy, I was like, when we were watching it, how much of an asshole are you allowed to be when you're that good? And the answer is actually quite a lot of an asshole. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about the money he brought in with the team, the money he brought into Chicago, like a winning sports team brings in a lot of revenue for cities. And I think he was allowed to be that way. However, I found it interesting because when I was a kid, I don't remember ever seeing that side of him so public. All you saw was like the smile happy Michael Jordan at McDonald's and wearing the Nike shoes and going to the Olympics. But I think as an adult, I really appreciate his assholeness because he he did have to be that way to win. And you can't you can't be a super nice, chill dude and be that competitive because I mean, Michael Jordan takes competitive to like a whole new level. I mean, it's well, and you do see the sadness in that. Like you do see him seeing clips of people saying, yeah, he was an asshole. Um, yeah. And you do see, at this one point, he asked for a break because he's tearing up at the at, 
the idea of, you know, the potential that his legacy might not just be the best basketball player ever to be born, but also the biggest asshole ever on the court. Like that seems right. to be something that he he struggles with, but also that he recognizes as a necessity. The other thing, of course, is let's not forget his production company was a co-producer on this thing. And everything was obviously, as Michael Jordan yeah, has yeah. been, done with his complete consent. So there is a question, is this the Michael Jordan that he wants us to see? That being said, I don't think, you know, he could have cut out a ton of shit that was really critical of him. Absolutely. I I think this documentary is fairly well balanced. I never really stepped away from any episode thinking, ooh, that was a bit heavy handed. I think that made my, you know, Michael Jordan look better than everybody else. I never stepped away from any of the 10 episodes feeling that way. I felt it was pretty on point and I feel like it was pretty on point for most people. Like I feel like they, they showed a side to me of Dennis Rodman. I had never seen before like that really dedicated player. Like I never saw that growing up. I just saw the guy getting hammered in Vegas and doing wrestling and dating Carmen Electra and marrying himself. And that's (laughs) all I really remember of Dennis Rodman. (laughs) And the reality is he's still one of the best defensive players ever to be on the court. Absolutely. That's not what we remember. No. And so, you know, like I I think the documentary did a really good job of kind of showing all sides of everybody, like even Scottie Pippen. I always thought Scottie Pippen was the super nice guy that was super dedicated to the team. But in that one episode where he didn't make the winning shot and it was given to somebody else and he had a fucking tantrum, like a fucking tantrum on the side of the court and just sat down and wouldn't get up to play. I was like, dude, that's not fucking cool. And I think that's the balance, right? Scottie Pippen was a nice guy. Like he was a nicer guy. He wasn't an asshole like Michael Jordan was. I always loved him. He just always had this kind face and I could listen to his voice all day long. Um, but you know, his flaws were in his, I'm not gonna say lack of commitment to the game because obviously, you know, that's gross simplification, but you would never have seen Michael Jordan throw a tantrum and sacrifice or risk the game because of his own ego on the court at the time. And I think that's why Jordan gets away with it, right? Because yes, he's an asshole, but he never, ever doesn't bring anything but perfection to the court. Well, he doesn't ever quit. And I feel like what the rest of the team felt was that Scotty kind of quit on them in, in that, you know, in that game. And I think that lost him a lot of respect from the players. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that was when like Michael Jordan wasn't playing. That was when he was I think he was out baseball. Or, or maybe baseball. No, yeah. yeah, I think that was oh, when was he when left he and played baseball. baseball that was it. And he was watching the game and he saw Scotty do that and he's like, holy fuck, that was the wrong move. And it was. And I think even though Michael Jordan was a humongous asshole, he never let his team down. Like that, that was a huge thing for him that that was never going to happen. So I think, you know, that's the disappointing thing about Scottie Pippen was he did. I mean, also Scottie Pippen felt let down by the team, right? He wasn't paid fairly. He was arguably like next to Michael Jordan, one of the best players of the NBA and was making pennies on the dollar comparatively (laughs) to everybody else. And so maybe he didn't feel that loyalty from management, but again, that's management, not like the dudes you're playing with. So, you know, well, I agree. And I, and interestingly, I had forgotten that it was when Jordan was out playing baseball that Scottie Pippen did that. And I, I'd be willing to bet that if Jordan had been there, Scottie Pippen would never, ever have made that decision to bench. No way. Could you imagine what he would have had to like come up against in Not the locker room after He would have that. known that that is unacceptable. He would have been in tears. <laughs> he, he absolutely would. I think there was loads that I really loved about it. I loved, I, what I really enjoyed was seeing kind of with hindsight, 
the way that Jordan was able to carve such global fame out of a world that didn't have social media. You know, he wasn't famous because he had a ton of followers on Instagram because he'd said something contentious on Twitter. He was famous because he played, it started from playing exceptional basketball, from being really fucking good at something. And those days now seem quite gone. It's it's, most people are famous because they're really good at, fucking social media and actually this guy did it before any of that was happening yeah and I think he probably benefited from that as well like I feel he was able to maintain kind of a more squeaky clean persona yeah because of the lack of social media I mean the media wasn't kind to him at all um at the time but it still I don't think ever got to the level that maybe we're seeing some basketball players like personal lives play out and things like that in Instagram because obviously basketball players are still basketball players because they play the game well but it's that whole other persona like Michael Michael Jordan did it through Nike and through endorsements but again that all played into a a very tight yeah a very tight image um that I don't know if he could have maintained now I mean could you imagine Dennis Rodman on social media while he was playing I mean crazy it would have been a joy to watch it would have been a joy to watch (laughs) um but again you know he I think Michael Jordan's one of those one of the first that really took kind of maintaining that squeaky clean image to a, to a whole new level. I mean, sports players with endorsements always had to be careful. Yeah. But, but I think what this documentary shows is there was a lot going on behind the scenes. There was a whole other Michael Jordan that nobody saw. We just thought that he was the golden boy of sports. Yeah, I think the only thing that I really remember is like the gambling stuff, which come to find out was kind of all bullshit anyways and was just like bullshit stories, Um, which I found really interesting because I wholeheartedly believe like believed as a child that gambling had something to do with his father's murder. And that was just a bullshit story that was out there. And after watching this documentary, I felt really bad that I remembered that. Granted, I was I was seven years old in the 1990 <laughs> not seven anyways I was like 16 when like Listen, this you're, game you're was being going asked on to do maths on the fly I know math under on pressure. the fly it's, it's too not much not my strong yeah it's not, not my strong it's suit it's fine I feel I got you babe don't worry so I, w- I was like 17 in 1998 so I probably would have believed fucking anything but as an adult watching this documentary it was like oh shit no like yes he liked to gamble but his issue wasn't gambling it was being fucking competitive like you yeah, even and, saw well, it Yeah, he says it, doesn't he? He's like, I have a competition problem. And the thing is, it's like, even if he did have a gambling problem, how much, I mean, I'm not saying that having a gambling problem is great, but is it a problem if it's not a problem? Do you know what I mean? If he's still turning up and playing and paying his bills and whatever else he needs to do, but he's also hemorrhaging a shit ton of money on the golf course, like how much of a problem is it? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it's not a problem unless he's like betting on like sports games. Then that would be oh. an issue, and that would well, be well, that's illegal. Upon. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, he wasn't doing that, and I I kind of look back and be like, yeah, I don't believe that there ever was, you know, a gambling no. problem. I mean, if I was gambling ten thousand dollars on a on a on a game of golf then that would be a problem but <laughs> but for michael jordan it really it really isn't you know no it'd had, be like you losing a dollar on well, golf well yeah like I mean, just he like, has like 11 billion pounds yeah, he can yeah, afford yeah. to lose a little bit here and there on some absolutely kind of, you know, sportsman's bets um 
we got to know a lot more about his father and obviously the issues surrounding that. And there was some tenuous links at the time between the gambling and his father's murder, but that seemed to be put to bed in this documentary. Um, And I really, really enjoyed the last episode. I don't know why I enjoyed this so much, but I think it was quite heavily focused on kind of Steve Kerr and his relationship with Michael Jordan because they'd played together for a long time and they had the death of their fathers in common. Interestingly, something that they'd never spoken about. Um, And I just really loved seeing the relationship between those two because while Michael Jordan had obviously this kind of innate God-given talent, which he did work hard, but he was just always going to have this this amazing sort of gift. Steve Kerr talks a lot about how actually he was just a grafter. Like he had the height and he had some ability, but actually it was just hard fucking graft for him. And I really loved watching the way that he earned the respect of Michael Jordan, that Michael Jordan willingly gave it to him because it wasn't necessarily a player that Michael Jordan would have respected otherwise. Yeah. Um, No, I I totally agree with you. But it was lovely to see, and it was lovely to see him at the end kind of ripping into Michael Jordan going, well, you know, obviously I had to save him again. It's really awkward, but I'm here and, you know, all of that. Um, I have a question for you. When, yes. Because obviously this is called The Last Dance, all about yes. the 97-98 season because Jerry Krause had decided this was going to be the, uh, Phil Jackson's last season and Jordan wouldn't play under anybody else. So it was kind of a given that this phenomenal team would break up after six championship wins. Um, at the time, were people as mystified about why this was happening? Or was it quite clear that Jerry no, Krause was pulling strings? Or was that like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, I think I think all the fans were like, what the fuck is going on? Because you've got a winning team. Like, you don't typically see a winning team being kind of taken apart to rebuild. You'll see it eventually because teams do have to rebuild. People get hurt, people get old, people retire and all that kind of stuff. But I don't remember people being like, oh, yeah, that makes loads of sense. Of course you would stop <laughs> playing now. Like, you're, you're, they're on a winning streak. It, it, I think it was pretty baffling. I think most people didn't understand what Jerry Krause was doing. Um, I don't know if Jerry Krause understood what he was doing. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Interesting, because so. we didn't get that. I don't think we got that much context in the UK. Like, we got the, the highlights yeah. and the headlines, but in terms of the ins and outs of the politics, it wasn't so... Basketball wasn't covered. No, um, I think I'd have to ask my husband to get, like, the, the real facts on that one, because, again, I was a 17-year-old girl and really not paying too close attention to sports politics at the time. I definitely pay more attention now because I'm the lone female in the house of men who all love sports. So we hear about it a lot. sports weekly. I am. I'm, I am. Um, whereas I'm the opposite. I am the only person who's interested in sports in my household. <laughs> Jimmy doesn't understand the rules of uh, feetball, as he calls it, and uh, and <laughs> leaves all of that up to me. Uh, but oh. that that aside, he fucking loved this documentary. Yeah. Um, and I think if you haven't seen it because you think that it's not for you or you're not interested. I guarantee that you will enjoy it. It's so beautifully crafted. And watching, even just watching these guys do their thing, there's no other sport that is as beautifully athletic as basketball. No, and I mean, I think you definitely see that when Jordan takes time off to do 
baseball and his trainer's like baseball is a whole different type of body we're gonna have to do all this and then when he went back to basketball his trainer's like shit well now we gotta like do all this <laughs> stuff to get your body like back in shape because it's a lot of running it's a lot of endurance um it's a lot of precision it's very hard on your body um it's it's beautiful it's beautiful to watch in this documentary even if you're a lot like me a lot of the time i was just watching being like if i was michael jordan's wife I'd be so fucking pissed all the time. I'd be, I mean, you're all alone. You would be all alone all the time. I mean, you go from like the you grueling would. schedule of basketball to the grueling schedule of baseball, even just minor league, then back to basketball. Cause you thought he was going to be retired. Um, I know that, you know, I'm sure she had help and all that kind of stuff, but you definitely see kind of why their marriage didn't necessarily work out. And, you know, I think it'd be really hard to be married to someone that competitive all the time. A hundred percent. In fact, I- I mean, I'm married to somebody who's away a lot, and and that's hard. But to be married to somebody who's away a lot and that competitive would be exhausting. Um, Interestingly, his kids really enjoyed it as well. They were saying that it was the first chance they'd ever had to really see the phenomenon that was Michael Jordan because they were obviously fairly young. Yeah. But I remember what his son said in an interview, said, well, I asked my dad, like, why didn't you ever tell me? And my dad just said... (laughs) How do you tell somebody that that's who you are? Like, how do you say yeah. that? Do you go, by the way, I'm just the world, like I'm the world. <laughs> I'm Michael gift Jordan to basketball. I'm Michael Jordan. You better recognize little kid. <laughs> yeah, get on board. Yeah. Um, but it was just, yeah. I mean, it it is it is a really truly inspiring documentary. It is. Uh, it's a great watch. It's definitely worth your time. The personalities involved are, like I said earlier, are just crazy. And it's really nice to see kind of how they all work together and how they bounce off each other. And I think it was nice to see how some of the things, because there's a lot of times when production shows Michael Jordan in the documentary, what other people have kind of said about him. And I thought that was really interesting. Like a lot of like the old Pistons players or rival team members, what they would say playing against Michael Jordan was like. And he was just like, yeah, I was an asshole or yep. I fucking hated him. Like it was no big deal. (laughs) Well, and I think, well, I think there are still some elements of him being kind of an asshole. Like he says quite clearly, is it Isaiah Thomas? Is that his name? He says very clearly, I had absolutely no part to play in him being left off the Olympic team. Um, I never mentioned his name. And then I think he's recently been on a podcast he hasn't, but a podcast has recently got footage, recorded footage of John, of Jordan saying, um, I'm not going to play if Isaiah's on the team. Ooh. And to be fair, the, co- the coach or whoever's selecting is like, I don't want him on the team anyway, so it's not yeah. going to happen. So it's not like was it was kind an of a, influenced decision, but he made yeah. his point very clear. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas was very widely hated in the NBA. Like, he was a gigantic asshole as well, but I don't think he had the same kind of talent to back Panache. up the same. Yeah. But I mean, you know, sports back then was pretty brutal. Like, I, I sometimes wonder if some of our big stars right now in basketball, like LeBron James, um, I don't know how, I, I think maybe LeBron could handle it, but, um, oh, there's another guy from the Golden State Warriors. I've totally forgotten his name. I'm sure all of you are screaming at me right now. But um, I don't know if they'd be able to play in such a a very 
like physically competitive, aggressive game because I feel like the game has kind of changed a little bit. It's not as brutal. Like there's no team that's just fouling everybody like the Pistons were or getting well, the, so yeah. aggressive and things like that. You just don't really see that anymore. I sometimes think that's a shame. I think that's part of sports I, do I really too, but enjoyed. I think you see that. I think you see that sports wide. Like I don't think football's yeah. as dirty as it used to be. No. And and I'm and I'm when I say football, I mean soccer. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think the, there's no Maradonas. There's no, you know, there's none of these really dirty players anymore. And as much as, you know, it you it kind of questions the whole sportsmanship of the team, there is a real joy in seeing that kind of passion and that kind of physicality. Um, but also maybe it comes back to this social media thing. They just can't right. get away with anything. They have to be squeaky, squeaky clean. It's Steph Curry. That was the name I was trying to remember. It just came to there me. There it is. Steph Curry. Steph. Um, well, listen, I think we should um, yes. sort of wrap it up there. That is hands down one of my favorite documentaries. It's, it's knocked Tiger King right off the top spot for me. Ooh, those are strong words. I know. I think I like the two of them for very different reasons. So they're kind of tied for me because I feel like they're just very different shows. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a bit like the difference between kind of your man Booker Prize and your like E.L. James Fifty Shades yeah. of Grey. It's a bit like that. 100%. You love them both for different reasons. And you, once you start reading, you don't want to stop. But, yes. um, but, but one's sort of kind of a bit more highbrow. More highbrow. more highbrow than the but other. But yet still fucking brilliant. Absolutely. So go check it out if you haven't. Um, I don't know when the release date in the US will be for Netflix, but I'm sure it's coming soon. But they are re-airing The Last Dance. So check your DVRs and set it to record and catch up. And then if you're in the UK, just watch it on Netflix. Yep, do that. It's all there ready and waiting for you. Remember, um, if you want more amazing content like this, um, then <laughs> please head over to patreon.com slash TV my husband hates um we are doing happy dances every time we get a new patron a patreon patron yes a patron yes um and it really does help us keep this going so we'd be really really grateful if you could but in the meantime have a great week and remember smart people watch reality tv too bye-bye bye Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. The music and production for TV My Husband Hates by Jimmy Sims. Yeah.